If you would join me in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 1. If you know where Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, you can find John. He's next on the list. John chapter 1. Now, we're in a new series called Come and See. And the reason for that is the Gospel of John is an invitation for you to explore the person of Jesus Christ. John is writing to a primarily Jewish audience, people who were very religious, considered themselves to have the moral high ground, and he is writing to get them to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He tells us that in John 20, 30, and 31. He tells us why he's writing. And so the invitation throughout the book, and it's layered throughout the book, or it's kind of laced throughout the book, John will say, come and see. And he will use the person who's speaking to give that invitation. And so we're in this series called Come and See, and we are studying through the book of John. And today we're going to begin in what's called the prologue. It's John 1, 1 through 18. Now, children, you can join us in your... Uh, Follow Jesus Bible on page 1140. Now, the challenge with preaching a narrative is that you have to take, or I have to take, the entire paragraph or section in order to make sure to get the author's intent. And so we're going to cover a lot of ground today. Now, the prologue is very rich and has lots of theology. So you might want to do some personal study at home and certainly the study questions that are attached to the, uh, or on the website and part of the, the printables, uh, you can print those and do those study questions, and that will help you do some further study in this section of the Scripture. But let me go through and read it. Again, this is going to be a lengthy section, so follow along as you are able. John 1, 1 through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from, John, uh, from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all men might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. 
the only God who is at the Father's right uh, Father's side has made him known. Now, a lengthy passage of Scripture, but packed. And what we want to do in our time is try and figure out what is John's primary message to his audience so that we can understand what he's communicating to us today. So I think the lesson is something pretty simple like this. Come and see the eternal prophet. He can give you life. Come see the eternal prophet. He can give you life. So let's look at the text and see if we can see this in the text. The first thing is that Jesus is the eternal prophet of God. Now, as you read through, again, this is being written to a primarily Jewish audience, you'll notice that he mentions John the Baptist. He doesn't call him John the Baptist, he calls him John, but it's John the Baptist, the forerunner to Jesus. John the Baptist was one of the last Old Testament prophets. Remember, we haven't had Pentecost at this part in the scriptures, which is the new covenant and the institution of the church. And so John is still considered in the vein of the Old Testament prophets. And John is sent by God, as you notice in the text. He is a man sent from God, and he is speaking for the Lord. He is telling his audience about this individual that's coming after him, who is of higher rank. He says, he was before me. This is John the last of the Old Testament prophets, testifying that the person who's about to come is before him or is more ancient than him. And here's the point. Prophets spoke from God, and John is very careful to say that John the Baptist was sent from God. You think about Old Testament passages like Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, or Ezekiel 33, or maybe a favorite 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 4, where God is speaking to David through the prophet Nathaniel, or Nathan. And what does the text say? The word of the Lord came to Nathan. The word of the Lord came to Nathan, and he received a message from God, and then he went and gave that message to David. So this is not a complex thing. The prophets of God spoke for God. They were sent by God. Well, what is John's emphasis? John's emphasis is on Jesus being the eternal prophet. And listen to the language that he gives throughout the text to describe Jesus as the eternal prophet. Number one, he says that he was in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. So John immediately connects Jesus with pre-creation time. Pre-creation time, eternity, before anything was made. The next thing he says is that without him, nothing was made that was made. And now John has distinguished Jesus, this individual he's talking about, the Word, he's distinguished him from anything that was made. And he's saying this individual has existed forever. He was never made. He was in the beginning with God, and he made everything that was made. Then he says, in him was life. Then he says that he brought us grace upon grace. God's 
uh, kindness upon kindness. And notice it's in the context of Moses. Moses gave us the law. That's considered kindness from the Lord. That covenant relationship that Israel entered into was a grace from the Lord. But now Christ has brought grace on top of grace. And so John is telling us that Jesus comes before Moses and brought the gifts of Moses and now his own gifts to us. This is John's intent, is to show us the eternality of Jesus, to show us that Jesus was before John the Baptist, was before Moses, and was before anything that was created. And so John's invitation is for you to come and see the person who has been speaking for God since he created the world. Ever since, whoever this person, the Word, we know who it is, it's Jesus, ever since this person created, he has been speaking to the creation on behalf of God. Secondly, John emphasizes that Jesus knows and reveals God to us. Jesus knows and reveals God to us. Now think of the language that we read again in the text. Jesus knows God because he is God. And so for anyone to reveal God to us, for anyone to come and speak on God's behalf to us, he has to receive a message from God. And John's emphasis in the gospel is bigger than that. John says Jesus doesn't have a message from God. Jesus is God. The word is God. He says things like, in the beginning, he was with God. And he was God. The word became flesh, he says. He, that we see his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. And then that final one, from him we have received his fullness. All of this points to us, this is John's way of saying, not only is Jesus the eternal prophet who has been speaking to the prophets of old and now is speaking to you directly, but he has, is more qualified than the prophets. What John the Baptist says, he outranks me. He is more qualified because he, in fact, is God. And he knows God because he is God. Now, let me just take a brief moment. In this text, there's some controversy, especially with the cults, with people, with groups that sound like Christianity, but they deny the deity of Jesus Christ. And it's in this first few sentences here in the text. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, in the original language, there's not the article the. And some would argue that in order for Jesus to be God, equal with the Father, the article the God needed to be there. Now, first, that's not good Greek uh, grammar. It's not always that uh, the word the has to be in front of the word God. And so the argument is that because the word the isn't there, Jesus is a God, but not the God. So not only is it not good Greek grammar, but notice how the rest of these statements deny that Jesus is a God, and show the equality of the Son with the Father. The equality of this person that John is talking about with God. Folks, there's just no escaping it. 
John tells us Jesus is God, and he reveals God to us because he knows God because he is God. And so John concludes it this way, no one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. How do you get away from that statement? The only God who is at the Father's, right, at the Father's side has made him known. There is no uh, escaping it. John is declaring Jesus, this figure he calls the Word, to be God. Not only does Jesus know him, but he reveals him. And think of these statements throughout the text. The life was the light of men. Light is metaphorical for revelation. It's pictured in a dark world. Light has in, in, uh, interjected into it. It has stepped into the darkness. It has infected it. It has overcome it. It has revealed whatever is hid in darkness. And so life is the, was the light of men, John says. It's the true light, not a reflection of the light, not an amplification of the light. It's the true light. It's not a mirror. It's the true. It's the reality. That's John's point. The prophets were a reflection of the reality. The prophets had received the message, but they were not the messenger. They were they, they received the message and they delivered it, but they were not the author of the message. And that's the distinction that John is making. The true light was coming into the world. And notice how, and this is, this is where the grace of this text becomes so apparent. Because God can speak to mankind. But notice what John says Jesus did. In verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word dwelt literally means to tent or to tabernacle. Some of you I talked to went camping this weekend and you're staying in a tent. Well, Paul calls our bodies the tent, this temporal thing that we will someday put off and have a new permanent uh, inhabit, in, in, uh, tent, place to inhabit. Well, what the scripture says is that God, uh, Jesus knows God, and so he is better equipped to reveal God, but that he didn't just do it from a distance. He comes and he dwells with us. He makes this place his home. He dwells with us so that he can reveal God to us personally. And there's a real beauty uh, in, that, in that passage and a real grace from the Lord to not just speak to us, but to come and be with us. The power of the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ. So, not only is he the eternal prophet, but he is the one who is more qualified to reveal God to us because he is God. And then he reveals him through a very gracious presence in our lives. The, the next thing that John says is that Jesus is the source of, of eternal life. This is another one of his major points in this prologue. John wants us to know not only is this individual revealing God to us because he is God, but John wants us to know that this individual is the source of life. Now, think about how he describes this life. In him was life. All things were made through him. And that we are given the right to become 
the children of God. And this is the kind of life John wants us to have. So Jesus is revealing God to us. In him is the life. This is John bringing us back to the beginning and highlighting Jesus as the source of eternal life because he gives himself eternal. But not only that, all things were made through him. He speaks of his ability to create and give life. And think of Genesis where where God breathes into Adam the breath of life. That's what John's alluding to. And then he says that we have the right to become the children of God. This is new life. And so you see at the heading here, what John is saying is that life is giving life. John is saying that this individual, the Word, who we know is Jesus, that this individual whom John the Baptist testified of is life and that he has come now to give us life. And so here's the point. The revelation is life through light. It's life through revelation. Think about how John says this. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now there's two things in this text. Number one, notice that we are born of God, from God. God has to do the new birth. But notice something else, to all who believe in his name. Now think about that in the context of light. What does light do? Light reveals. Light dispels darkness and reveals what is present. Light in John's writing here is revelation. And so what John is masterfully showing us is that this individual who is the eternal prophet of God, who has come to reveal God because he is God, is the source of life through revelation, through revealing to us who God is and what God has for us. And so uh, God reveals so that you might believe and have life. It is life through the light of revelation of the knowledge of God. And this is kind of summed up in this little phrase, grace and truth. If you look with me at the last little bit of this, uh, of this chapter, or of this section, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John bore witness. Verse uh, 16, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What does it mean that grace and truth came to us through Jesus Christ. Well, you probably know what the word grace means. It's the kindness of God. It's the goodness of God to give us gifts. And in this case, it is eternal life. Jesus comes to give us eternal life. That's his mission, to reveal God so that we can have eternal life. And truth, John has equated here in this text with light. And so what does grace and truth mean? What have we received? We've received life, that's grace. Through truth, that's light. And so grace and truth are given to us as the kindness of God reveals himself to us so that we can hope in Christ and have eternal life.
Now that's a summation of what John is doing in these first 18 verses. Let me make some quick applications. Number one, light invades the darkness. It doesn't compete with it. I think that's a real important thing that as you read through the gospel gospel and especially through this prologue, one of the things that stands out is that the world is in darkness and yet the light invades it and there is no resistance. There is a failure to appropriate it. There is a failure to receive the revelation. John says that. He came into his own and his own didn't didn't receive him. But notice the light's power and ability. Now, the comment I want to make on this is that this really excludes sort of a dualistic idea of the world and of good and evil. You know, we can talk about the dark side of the force versus the good side of the force. We can talk about the yin and the yang, good versus evil. Let me tell you, there is no good versus evil in God's kingdom. The light is victorious over evil every time. And this is a point that John is making. While the world lies in darkness, the light has invaded. It has come into the world. It has dispelled the darkness. It has lighted on every man. And this is John's way of saying the light uh, doesn't compete with the darkness. The darkness yields every time the light comes to it. This is the power of the light over darkness. And so I want to encourage you to kind of see in John not a dualism between light and darkness, but to see the, uh, the influx and the invasion of light and its power over the darkness and urge you to have confidence in the power of Christ over the darkness that we even face in our world today. You know, some of the ways that, that people say it is the truth will set you free. Well, let me say it this way. God's revelation sets us free. What Jesus has revealed to us about God sets us free. And I want to encourage you to receive the revelation that we're going to study together as we learn more about Jesus through the Gospel of John. Secondly, God has spoken and is speaking. God has spoken and is speaking. That's a big message of this, these first 18 verses. God has spoken. Yes, he has an eternal prophet who has been speaking to prophets throughout the scriptures, throughout time, ever since he created. This person, the Word, has been speaking. And I love that word, the Word. It's not knowledge. It's not reason. These are philosophies that uh, the Greeks used described by this word, Word. No, it's the Old Testament idea of the Word of God coming to the prophets. Who is the Word of God but Jesus Christ himself? In the beginning was this persona, the Word, and he is the one who was speaking on behalf of God to the Old Testament prophets, to John the Baptist, and now directly to us as he tabernacled with us in the gospel here. God has spoken and is speaking. He is not silent. My friends, he is not silent on the issues that we're facing today. 
He is not silent on the issues of race relations. He is not silent on how we should treat the oppressed, the poor, the homeless, the fatherless. He is not silent on how we should live righteously with one another. He is not silent on how we should pursue justice. He is not silent on how we should share the goodness of God to our neighbors. He is not silent on how we should live holy lives in this world. He is not silent. He is speaking. But notice the graciousness of how he's spoken to us. He has come and he has tabernacled with us. This is not a harsh God who is yelling at us. This is a God who has come to live with us so that he can speak into our lives the very words of life that he has for us. Thirdly, Jesus is more than our moral teacher. Jesus is more than our moral teacher. Our world right now loves to quote Jesus. It's amazing how many times you hear Jesus quoted in the news or on TV. Love one another. Love one another. Love sets you free. Truth sets you free. And yet they forget or they ignore the rest of what Jesus has said. Folks, this is a misuse of who Jesus is. He is not a moral teacher. They called him good rabbi, and he said, who's good but God? And he was forcing them to, to kind of wrestle with their identi- how they identified him. Folks, he is not just a moral teacher. He is the Son of God who has come to reveal God to us because he is God, he can do that, so that we can have the eternal life as children of God and live today as children of God. And that's not what Christianity is, just moral rules, just good moral teachings from a very wise person. No, my friends, it is a relationship with the life giver who is God himself. And so I want to encourage you, if you're investigating Christianity, Christianity is not a bunch of people listening to a moral teacher. Certainly, he taught us ethics and teaches us ethics, but he is so much more than that. And I would urge you to investigate what Jesus taught throughout his ministry. And then finally, just to ask the question, John's invitation is for you to come and see Jesus. John's invitation is for you to see the eternal prophet who has been speaking for God because he is God, who has now come and tabernacled among us so that we could know God and have eternal life. How will you respond? If you're interested, I have a little book called a Life Issues book. I'd love to mail you and interact with you on it. But I would urge you to receive this Jesus Christ who loves you and came and took on flesh so that you could know the love of God. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this eternal prophet presented to us, your son who came and lived among us so that we could know you. Bring us into fellowship with you through Jesus Christ, we pray. For my friends who are listening who don't know you as Savior, I ask for your grace in their lives, that you will bring them to faith in Jesus through our study. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.